when all of this kind of started happening, when my awareness about the Lyme disease came about, uh, I said to myself, you know, you're, you're a fraud. I said, mm. you know, yeah, you're a nice guy mm. and you're on some boards, but are you really making a difference? You know, yeah, you know, I would write some checks to some charities and these charities would say, oh my God, you know, you're on our board. And I would show up to every meeting and they would say, most people, we never see them again. And they write us a check. And I was like, there's so such a small bar raised uh. to be a good person. So I shifted to this mentality. It's an Einstein quote which is only a life lived in the service to others is a life worth living. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Good. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Good day. Hello, innovative founders. We have another great one for you today. Brandon, what is new and exciting in your life? What's what's new? Uh, let's see. Thanksgiving this week. I'm going to go have a Friendsgiving with a bunch of my pals, and uh, that will be good. I'm going to go uh, jujitsu. We call randori or an open mat on Thanksgiving morning, where we go in and we do five minute rounds with each other with a one minute break in between. And so we just try to destroy each other while having friendly conversation before Thanksgiving. It's not a bad is, way to go. You're no, going to, you're going to engorf yourself with uh, proteins and carbohydrates later totally. in the day. A mashed so, potatoes going to take them down. There'll be, there'll yeah. be wine consumed. There'll be Turkey stuffed in the face hole. So right. yeah. Good way to and, get things moving. And and it's the American, it's the American of American holidays, right? It, is. it, it's, right. it symbolizes everything about us. Like exactly. it's just, we are going to gorge ourselves. Yes. We're going to lay around. Like it yes. is the typical American dream holiday, isn't it? Rub the belly. Yeah. For, for all the people outside of the U.S. going, well, right. what's wrong with those What Americans? are these people doing? Yeah. They well, just sit around we, and eat a lot and they moan and groan and they take well, naps. We we eat a lot all the time. And then we, <laughs> we set aside one day to eat even more. Right. 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 And what are right. they thankful for? Mashed potatoes? What's going yeah. on there? Cranberry yeah. sauce? What the? Um, yeah. Well, oh, we uh, we will be deep frying the turkey again. Oh, um, nice. we've had nice. our last two Thanksgivings have been uh, wiped out by uh, COVID. So ah. um, we're getting to deep fry a turkey again and have uh, back to normal. So that, that's great. And we uh, were kicking off the basketball season, uh, played nice. a great game last night, came up a little short, but um, just a fantastic start to the season. I got a great group of guys this year, really proud of them. So nice. Um, that's awesome. I have Ian, a deep fried uh, turkey story for you. Yeah, let's hear it. So I've deep fried a few turkeys, not too many in my time. And one, one, one Thanksgiving years ago, I remember having all our family over deep fried turkey. I'm so, so excited, so proud. And you know, you got to stand there and watch that thing. It's like a freaking nuclear bomb in your backyard. It, if you spill it, it'll burn your face skin off. It's, just, it's a terrifying, terrifying way to cook. Um, but I overcooked the turkey. So it got kind of dark. And I, I, don't, I think I had the oil too hot. So I brought it in. I'm carving it. And I'm, remember that scene in like, it was a Christmas vacation, Christmas or something vacation. Like that, Chevy Chase. Yeah. And they stick that turkey with the fork and it, it just was like leather. <laughs> yes. That was kind of my turkey that year. Yeah. What a shame. It was, oh, I felt, you know, it, I felt the, the, the yeah, you absolutely must have a thawed turkey ah, that yeah. has been thoroughly dried. Yeah. Because I water know. and oil do not mix. There, yeah. there, there have been uh, episodes of Mythbusters Ooh. that have been produced showing you what happens when you put a frozen turkey into a, oh. a vat of hot oil Does and it, it blow? is like blows up well it 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 overflows and there is a a plume of uh fire that shoots <laughs> the heavens a plume and then the oil spills all over so if oh. you're with if you're within 20 feet of it you were basically burned at the stake oh. that's basically what it happened so i didn't have um, a plume but it just dried up and we were chewing on pieces of leather yeah 
my family was very gracious and but that'll go down in the, in the annals of the uh, boyd family it will so the, the message is just don't let brandon deep fry your turkey right. if let you want to have it come over to Bob's house. Sense. i'm like nope i'm out yeah my, you know. mine is delectable so if you're interested in that experience <laughs> let us know um I'll, I'll i'll hook you up so perfect so brandon today's guest um is just another reason why bob doesn't go camping <laughs> Because there's 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 monsters out there that are are going to attack you, and really? you can't even see these monsters. Oh boy! And oh boy. and according to our guests, there's two to three thousand of these monsters that live on every deer that walks and prances by. Yeah. Um, we're talking about ticks, and we're talking about Lyme disease. Ugh. And I don't mean to belittle a very serious topic, but um, it's just another reason why Bob doesn't like to go in the woods. <laughs> But it's interesting. We we brought on a sales expert. His name is Fred Diamond, a wonderful human being, uh, born in Philly, lives in Northern Virginia, and was thrust into being a, uh, I guess I'll call it an advocate, but yeah. he uh, deeply researched the topic of Lyme based on the experience of a loved one and wrote a book that was not about how to cure Lyme disease. It was how to love somebody going through Lyme disease. Mm. And it has absolutely exploded for him. Um, so much so that he's been not, he's been basically knighted a Lyme expert uh, because there was such a void of information. And so it's a fascinating story uh, that he shares about how he produced the book and what the book has done for him. And yeah, he he's a really successful podcaster. Um, I think he's done a hundred times more shows than us, Brandon. Yeah. Gosh, what was he up to? 600, 200? 600 shows. Um, so uh, we 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 were a little bit intimidated, but no, Fred was a great interview. Uh, he's very vulnerable, uh, goes deep on some subjects, and I think you'll find it really insightful. Um, so we're really, really happy to introduce to you uh, Mr. Fred Diamond. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Fred. Great to have you on the show. Gentlemen, I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Yeah, another another friend from Northern Virginia. I think we yes. interviewed somebody pretty recently from Northern Virginia. Maybe we have a conduit to good guests think, out of Northern Virginia. I think Virginia. we do. I think I need to go <laughs> camping out there more and hike the Shenandoah Trail. Uh, it's such a beautiful area out there. Yeah, I love it. I'm just uh, I'm either 20 minutes or two uh, two hours outside of Washington D.C. Depending on what time of day <laughs> and right, of day. what the weather's like. And like you had just mentioned, I'm about uh, one of the great things about living in Northern Virginia is. Delaware beaches are three hours away. New York oh, nice. and Philly are three, four hours away. And the mountains are an hour away. And of course, everything that DC has to offer is, like I said, uh, within a short drive. Perfect. Yeah. Unless it's unless it's a rush hour. And like you said, then it's two hours right? Could or be. more. Could be. Well, good. Fred, really excited to talk with you today. Just love to hear, like, what's what are you excited about right now? Um, something in your personal life, something in your business life that's just really got you jazzed and you're happy to share with us. Well, I'll share two things. Uh, one's business, one's personal. So my business is called the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And uh, we help employers attract, retain, motivate, and elevate top tier sales talent. So mm. we're very excited. We got companies like Salesforce and Amazon and uh, CVEN Software, Red Hat Software. They're all what we call uh, corporate partners. So uh, I also do a podcast uh, related to that called the Sales Game Changers podcast. I'm about 580 shows beyond where you guys are, but you'll get there. You'll get there <laughs> soon enough. We talk about sales. Yeah, we talk about sales. And on a personal note, uh, I published two books in August of 2022. One was called Insights for Sales Game Changers about sales performance. And I also published a personal book. It's called Love, Hope, Lime, What Family Members, Partners, and Friends Who Love a Chronic Lyme Survivor mm. Need to Know. I'm the first person in history who published a book on sales performance improvement and Lyme disease awareness on the same day. Wow. And, uh, yep. And both uh, both have have changed my life. Huh. So was that was that intentional, Fred? It was intentional to post both days on the same book. If you had said to me a year ago, Fred, you're going to write two books, one on sales performance improvement, one on Lyme disease awareness, I definitely would have said, yes, at some point I'm going to write a book on sales performance improvement. But some things happened in my personal life to lead me to become an expert on Lyme disease and tick-borne illness. And gentlemen, I get five, six people a week 
who asked me for medical advice. <laughs> and as I tell him, I'm a history major with an MBA, but I'll tell the, I'll tell the story about why I wrote both books uh, as we progress. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you were thrust into being an expert in something as most of us are life surprised us with something. Uh, if, if you wouldn't mind sharing that part of your journey, we're obviously digging into some of the sales stuff, but um, I mean, this is pretty recent, pretty fresh with you. So talk us through how this all came about. Yeah. So uh, like I said, most of my career has been in marketing and sales. I created the Institute for Excellence in Sales 11 years ago, and it's grown into this uh, global thing where we're fortunate to have some amazing partners and we focus on helping women in sales take their lives and career to the next level. On the personal note, somebody uh, very close to me uh, had Lyme disease hmm. and um, I decided to become more knowledgeable on what that meant to this particular person. When I decided to dive all in, this was last summer, summer of 2021, I bought every book I could find on Amazon. I joined Facebook groups. I called everybody who uh, has ever uttered the word Lyme disease mm. to me. And I realized that I knew 5% of what I, uh, what I know now. Right. And I just started uh, looking deep at how this particular disease Lyme disease, it's at the epidemic proportions, um, mm. ticks, you know, the Dalai Lama has said, I love everything on this planet except for ticks. <laughs> it's, an, it's an insidious disease, especially when it gets to the chronic stage. Um, it, it definitely can destroy lives, futures, and relationships. So as I got deeper and deeper and deeper into understanding what Lyme disease meant, I realized that there were a couple of things. Um, one is, uh, uh, spouses, family members, partners leave. You know, it's one of the main things because it's an invisible disease. When you have it, you can't work. Mm. Uh, a lot of your, your personality may change. You're, you may be bedridden uh, for years. Uh, you're always stressed, anxious, in pain, fatigued. And I just noticed all these people on Facebook were saying, my family doesn't care. My spouse doesn't care. All my friends left me. Mm. So I was like, well, that's not good. Um, and I was particularly interested in one particular person, how they were going to get better uh, from the Lyme disease. And I also noticed too, that uh, it's, it's such a misunderstood disease. Uh, insurance doesn't cover it when it gets to the chronic stage because insurance companies don't want to pay for something that they're never going to cure for 30 years. Uh, the number one cause of death, guess what the number one cause of death is for chronic Lyme disease? I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say suicide. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And it's tragic. It's just, you just get in such a place. You can get into such a place where no matter what you try isn't helping, it's not solving your problem. The pain is unbearable. Um, hmm. You just become desperate. And, and that is unfortunately uh, the number one cause of death, or at least I've seen it reported as the number one cause of death. And I said, you know what? I need to write a book. Actually, what I did is I discovered this entity called LymeDisease.org which I didn't know existed. Hmm. I started reading all of their posts. And then I noticed that there was never, never really an article written about helping spouses or family members understand the disease. So I wrote an article, it was in August of 2021, called, uh, the, the title was something like, how to be a partner to someone with chronic Lyme disease. Uh, the woman who runs social media, her name is Dorothy Leland, very nicely posted my article. And I started getting Facebook requests and downloads. Mm. And she ran it a few times. Someone eventually said, you know, you should turn this into a book. So I did. The book is called Love Hope Lyme with family members, partners, and friends who love a chronic Lyme survivor need to know it's been reviewed by the Dutch Tickborn Association <laughs> this week in November of 2022. There was a beautiful review by the Lyme Disease uh, Association of Australia. Um, I have 1,500 new Facebook friends. <laughs> uh, you know, people are, it's, it's, it's an insidious thing. I had no idea a year ago, guys, how insidious this disease was. Well, interesting. Years ago, I saw a naturopath doctor for kind of fatigue and almost kind of bipolar symptoms. And, you know, went to no, regular doctors, no help whatsoever. I went to her. And not only was I hypothyroid, but she put me on an extensive protocol 
of detox and supplements for Lyme disease. She said, yes. most people have it. Um, I spent my summers in Northern Wisconsin. I've been bitten by ticks. Yes. Uh, it was kind of a thing that would happen. And, uh, and it's quite interesting that how, how prevalent it is and how there's so little awareness for it. Brandon, yeah, so you obviously understand what I'm talking about here. Um, if you're bitten by a tick, let's say you're walking on a path and, you know, just a quick note, the average deer, the average deer has like two to 5,000 ticks on it, right? Ticks are, are tiny. I mean, they're, they're not even, they're very, very tiny. Most people don't know they were bitten by a tick. You can get Lyme disease from a spider, maybe from another insect, but it's most usually communicated uh you know, via a tick. Um, if you notice some of the symptoms like Brandon just talked about, you know, you notice fatigue, you're tired, you're in pain, maybe some of your joints inflame. Lyme disease is a bacteria that is transported from a mammal to a human being from a tick or to an animal, to a dog or a cat. And uh, you then begin to notice symptoms. It's, it's kind of like a spiral shaped bacteria. It gets into every organ, gets into mm -hmm. the brain, yeah. gets into into all your joints and your heart. And that's why a lot of people who have Lyme are, uh, look like it's arthritis and they're mm. confined to a wheelchair or to a bed. If you notice some of these symptoms and you go to a medical practitioner that like Brandon's who said, I think you have Lyme, they can put you on antibiotics, typically doxycycline pretty quickly. And you should be taken care of in 65 to 70% of the cases I've read. Uh, you should be fine. You're going to have a crappy couple of weeks, but you should be okay. Mm. What happens with a lot of people is they were bitten 10, 15, 20 years ago yeah. or a year ago, and they went to doctors and they mis, mis uh, diagnosed it as you know, chronic fatigue syndrome or right. gee, it's the flu, or it looks like arthritis. In reality, it's Lyme. Eventually, in some cases, guys, it gets to the point where the doctors say, you know what? We've tested for everything. It's in your head. You ain't yes. got nothing wrong. Right. Yep. <laughs> and then you, it's like, no, I, I can't get out of bed. I'm fatigued. It's not in my head. And your family is like, well, uh, the doctor said it's in your head, sis. So, gee, maybe you should go check out a psych ward or something. Right. And it's, it's, I never had any idea how insidious this was. So I wrote the book to try to bring some peace to a very troubled community. And, and obviously you've tapped into something just right. I mean, there, there hasn't been either, there hasn't been enough information published or maybe you were just the first where it's like, look, finally somebody's speaking out to help people that are associated with people that have it. Um, it it's wonderful. Like we talk about a void in the marketplace, like, you yeah. know, you know, when I, when I started, so last summer, I literally, when I realized I needed to learn more, I literally went to Amazon, typed in Lime. I must've read 35, 40 books. Um, and there's like three types of books I found. There's like a, like the inch and a half thick book written by the doctor. You know, um, there's a couple of classics, how can I get better uh, written by a guy named Richard Harwitz, for example. Then there's a whole slew of what I call my battle with the tick type books. My journey yes. with Lyme disease, Allie Hilfiger, Tommy Hilfiger's daughter wrote a classic book. Yolanda Hadid, one of the, uh, housewives uh, and that whole uh, franchise. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book about her journey with Lyme disease. Um, there's some celebrities that we've heard of, like people think that, uh, well, I'm not going to mention their name in case they don't, but Avril Lavigne has come out and said that she struggled. Shania Twain recently published yeah. uh, some information that she had a battle with Lyme disease as well. And then there's a whole slew of the third party books, uh, mindfulness and Lyme, keto diet and mm -hmm. Lyme, meditation and Lyme. And there was really nothing written by what I call myself a civilian, someone who doesn't have Lyme, but saw, like you just said there, you know, uh, there's a hole in the market. There was never written uh, a book written by, um, like I mentioned, someone who is uh, either in relationship with somebody with chronic Lyme disease. Uh, the top Lyme doctor on the planet, his name is Dr. Richard Harwitz. I just alluded to him before. He heard that I was writing this book and without my asking, he wrote the foreword to the book. Wow. And he said, yeah, he awesome. said, he said, when I, heard of Fred's book. I thought it was another, my battle with the tech, you know, journey type of a thing. Yeah. And he said, when I read it, it was a couple elements were missing from anything that's been written before the love angle, you know, with someone you love has a chronic illness like this and Brandon, you've experienced this, you yeah. know, it's people, people leave, you know, yeah. 
it's, it, you know, you're not the same in spousal relationships. It's you're not the person I married or you're no longer working and we're strapped financially. And I didn't buy off on this. I didn't expect to be spending all my time taking care. 75 to 80% of the relationships end when this, the spouse says, I didn't buy off on this. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge. I, I had no idea this existed a year ago, though. It's interesting. Now, you know, Lyme and I think other types of diseases, conditions have come out. And, you know, we work with naturopaths in helping them amplify their story. Um, and there's certainly a movement out that's happening where people are addressing disease that have been labeled incurable or it's in your head. Um, you know, I think about my parents' generation where you, you, you anything the doctor said, they were the expert. You don't question it. You don't doubt it. And now this lovely thing called the internet comes out where people have a voice and they can compare stories and they connect. And now there's these wonderful, you know, movements where people are are taking charge of their own health. They're doing their own research. They're comparing notes and finding, hey, this is a problem. And no, it's not in our head. And there's got to be brought awareness to this. Now, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, like I said, if if you're at the the chronic stage, there's basically two different types of treatment. There's uh, Western medicine antibiotics. You know, yeah. is the most common way. And then there's you mentioned before uh, the supplements, herbals. Uh, there's hundreds of of herbals who do different things. Um, and in a lot of cases, and there's also uh, machines that tap into radio frequencies in your body. Yes. called Rife machines I'm, that you know yeah. keep and they they bring Got you one. into yeah they're good for you man I'm good yeah, yeah. I'm glad we're talking Bob, Bob had it he gave it to me and I've been using it <laughs> and um, I've I've got one running 24 seven really yes I do but what is, what are you doing with uh, I'm addressing some long term chronic health things as well oh, wow. so I, I use it for healing and for uh and for uh, restoration. Well, good for you, man. I didn't, I didn't know this existed until a year ago. Yeah. And I have some people who, who, um, who have said they have it sitting by their side, like you do. And it's constantly there. I have people who have flown to Peru, who yeah. flown Germany, Mexico, just to find something uh, that's going to solve their problem. And the, and the anxiety is just over the roof. But, you know, one thing that's interesting is since the book has come out, like I mentioned, I got like 1500 new Facebook friends. I have probably two or three people a day who I know from business who will reach out to me and say, I want to introduce you to my friend, you know, Brandon Boyd or something like that. And usually I'm thinking, okay, they probably want a job. A lot of people reach out to me because they're looking for work. And then they'll say, I don't know if you know this, I have chronic Lyme disease and I heard about your book. I read your book. Thank you so much for writing this book. Um, and we'll talk about their journey. And I've spoken to people who are VPs of companies who have chronic Lyme disease. And I'm like, most people can't get out of bed. Yeah. You know, how are you able to perform? And, you know, they, they, they tell me how they manage it and how they go about their day and how they have to stop at five and shut down everything on the weekends. And, you know, once you accept that you have the disease, you can live within it and hopefully have a productive and loving, uh, loving life. Really enjoying our conversation with uh, Fred Diamond today. And uh, as you know, Fred is, uh, has launched two books on the same day, uh, one related to sales, one related to Lyme disease. The, the book that he has spent a lot of time talking about today is Love, Hope, Lyme. Uh, if you go look at uh, Amazon, look up Fred Diamond, you'll see uh, both his books. Um, also an accomplished podcaster. If you look up Sales Game Changer podcast on your favorite platform, you're going to find Fred. Um, if you're just interested in uh, more information, if you know somebody who has Lyme disease or you know somebody who's a salesman, Fred is your guy. Uh, head over to freddiamond.com, freddiamond.com. That's the place to connect to him. And you could find out all the resources he has, including links to both those books. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. So amazing, isn't it, Fred? Like how, I mean, you didn't intend this, but here you are um, without really appointing yourself an expert on a disease like that. It's it's just amazing sometimes how life presents challenges and opportunities and and you responded. I'm interested 
Well, first of all, I, I want to acknowledge one thing, Brandon, you said like people go to the internet and do research like that maybe involves going to Google and reading 10 minutes of articles. I think yeah. what Fred did is an example of research. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Reading yeah, yeah. 30, 40 books, yeah. talking to experts like, you know, so many people today claim they've done research and it's a Google search and they read Wikipedia and then they're an expert. Like, Fred, I just want to acknowledge yeah, that, that type of research <laughs> people don't do that today. So I, I'm just really appreciative of the fact that you dug deep into this and really look to understand things. I think people could take a real lesson from that. But where does that come from? Is that something that like, are you just a voracious reader? Have you always been? You know, it's interesting. And I, I've asked myself that question a um, 100 times. Uh, why did I a couple of things we could talk for hours about a lot of what happened over the last year, but um, I've come to the conclusion that nothing happens for a reason. You know how everybody says everything happens for a reason? Yeah. Nothing happens for a reason. Now, you can explain oh. why things led. There was a particular person in my life that I loved beyond love, whatever. Sure. And when this particular disease kind of took hold, um, I said, I, I obviously don't know as much as I thought I did. I need to figure it out. So I'm a reader. I read, I get a sales book sent to me every day. Uh, I will read it because of my business running the Institute for Excellence mm -hmm. in Sales. And I didn't know that there were books about Lyme disease. And I didn't know there were, there's dozens, if not hundreds of maybe a thousand Facebook pages devoted to the Lyme disease organization of Ohio. And when someone finds a solution, they'll create a, a Facebook page. Some of these pages have tens of thousands of people. Last year, I jumped on uh I just jumped on Facebook and I typed in Lyme, not knowing what to expect and pages and pages started coming up and I joined two particular groups and I just started asking questions. Um, mm. How does this show up? And people were really kind, you know, a little bit of a different twist than what Brandon said before. Uh, I become familiar with the concept of crowd curing. Mm. So what happens with the disease, like a lot of these chronic diseases, you surpass what your doctor knows. Uh, maybe not medically, but treating you, right? So you yeah. want to find out it's like, well, and I'm only able to see my doctor every four weeks or every eight weeks or whatever it might be. And I'm still in pain and exhibiting all these things. So all these people, they go to the internet, Facebook or Twitter, maybe probably not Instagram. And there are also some listserv type things, traditional old school listservs. And they'll say, I have pain in my feet. Um, it's a burning sensation. Why is that? And what can I do about it? And then people will chime in you're detoxing. So obviously the, the bacteria is going down to your feet. So try an Epsom salt bath or this or that. Here's one of the problems though I've started noticing is let's say somebody will say, um, uh, I'm burning in my feet. What should I try? And then somebody will say, do a foot bath with Epsom salt. Then somebody will say, Epsom salt didn't work for me. Try this. And then the next person would say, mm -hmm. well, you're not doing Epsom salt, right? You need to do it for three weeks. And you also <laughs> need to do this. And then the fourth person will say, that's not going to do you any good because, and it's, it's even more confusing, you know, when everybody's trying to help, right. But there's so much of an abundance and that's where the anxiety comes in. But right. it, it's a great thing that these communities have been built offline to even support. I see people who post, uh, and I'll share one other quick, I'll see people who say today is a shitty day. Um, I, I, I'm not doing well. And then people will chime in blessings to you. PM me if you'd like to chat. Um, trust Jesus mm -hmm. if that's where you go or trust something completely different if it might be there. I want to share one other type of post that I would see. Um, and again, I noticed early on all of the nobody cares for me. My spouse is gone. My family doesn't care, which led to me, uh, you know, writing the, the blog post for Lyme disease.org and eventually, eventually the book. I started noticing these despair posts. Um, I can't take it anymore. Someone posted something in June as I was writing the book. Whenever I said to myself, I need to keep moving forward with writing this book, this one person, um, I'm not going to say her name. She posted on one of the Lyme groups that has 30,000 people, I think. And she said, I can't take it anymore. Can someone please DM me the easiest way to kill myself? Oh. And, and people chimed in sweetheart, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I took a screenshot of that and I saved it to my computer. And whenever I was saying to myself, you know, should you be writing this book, Fred? I mean, mm. yeah, you should write the sales book. Everyone's expecting a sales book. 
no one on the planet is expecting you to write a book on disease management. I would look at that JPEG. Um, we're, we're doing today's show at the end of November, 2022. Sometime in mid-October, somebody posted, hey, do you all remember this woman's name? And it was like a code name she had. A lot of women have different names for, for Facebook yeah. than usual name. I just learned that she did kill herself. Oh. Uh, she left two daughters. It just got to the point where she just couldn't take care of herself with the disease and, and couldn't live with it anymore. And I was like, this is insane, man. You know, that this freaking little tick has yeah. caused so much pain that you're going to take your Walk own yourself. life with sure. two little daughters. And it's, I see it every day. I see at least one or every other day, maybe a post like that. Um, there was a post that was posted on LinkedIn recently by a guy who was a CEO of a company up in Quebec. And um, he posted that his 22 year old daughter took her own life because she couldn't deal with the Lyme disease. And it triggered, you know, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, like a 10,000 comments and interactions. And the government of, I think it was Quebec, announced that they were going to do an investigation into uh, how people with Lyme disease are treated in the province. Because mm. it's insane, man. It really is an insidious, insane disease. It's interesting that we, so we have a, a friend, a client, colleague, uh, Perry Marshall, and he talks about, you know, he, he's, he's kind of a disruptor in the sense that, and he says no significant change happens within an institutionalized, say, medical institution, except by an outsider. You know, it used to be where, you know, people who had no medical experience, let's say in this example, would be marginalized and reduced. Oh, you, you don't have training, but it's actually those people in every single industry that brings an outside perspective and can look with distance on a problem, a situation. And, you know, in Perry's case, he's a, he applies a, uh, an engineer brain to, to medicine or an engineer brain to the idea of um, evolution versus science. And one of the big observations he made is it's necessary. It's, it's important and necessary. So how important and necessary is it for you, Fred, and, and, and countless others to bring in outside, non-medical, non-institutionalized way of thinking in order to solve this problem. So you it's know, beautiful to see the awareness growing. Yeah, that's a great point. And, um, you know, like I tell people a year ago, uh, I cared for one particular person with this, this disease. And now yeah. I have thousands of friends. Uh, yeah. We've sold a decent amount of the books. And like I mentioned, on August 15th, nobody on the planet knew me as an author of a disease management book. Yeah. Um, now more and more people, uh, every day I get more and more Facebook groups. I decided um, the book is available on Amazon. It's in process of being available on wherever Insta, uh, Insta Sparks or Ingram Sparks <laughs> distributes books. And that's mm. going to happen uh, in the next day or so. But I made the e-copy free to people with Lyme disease. Um, the wow. people I want to read the book are family, friends, et cetera, like I mentioned. But um, I decided to make the ebook available to Lyme survivors. Uh, and I've, I think I've given away like a hundred copies or something like that. And more and more every day is more and more people find it. And they're, yeah, they're like, Oh my God, thank God you're here. And yeah, uh, you know, and that wasn't my intent. It wasn't like, okay, how, what can I create that people are going to love me? And right. People I don't yeah. know are going to say, Oh my God, I wish you were in my life. That's that man. That wasn't my goal. My goal was what is going on here? You know, this people millions of people are living this life, right? It also made me realize, man, well, do you guys talk about a deity? Do you guys talk about religion at all on your show? Absolutely. Oh, religion, spirituality, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, let's go there for a little bit here. Um, I'm, uh, I'm Jewish. Um, prior to a lot of this, uh, I was, I'm still, I'm still Jewish, but I would go to synagogue during the, during the you pandemic. Didn't go, you didn't go through the surgery? Right, right. Surgery. I, I did it for the surgery when I was eight. Uh, eight days, eight days, not eight, eight days. days. Yeah, yeah I was eight, say eight out. Hey, nice. you know what the worst thing about a circumcision is when you're eight days old? You, you can't walk for a year. But, uh, <laughs> but that, was, that was the only nice. problem. The only nice, problem, nice. ladies and germs. Circumcision, no, circumcision <laughs> joke. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, during the, the pandemic, I was going to synagogue every week. And um, I'm what they call a conservative Jew, which is we observe the holidays. I keep, you know, kosher, et cetera. I was a reader of what's called the Torah, which is the, the five scrolls of 
what a lot of people refer to as in some cases, the old Testament. And I managed that service and I went every week and I enjoyed it. Um, I doubt there's a God. I don't know why a God would have put so many of his kind and gentle people through the turmoil that I've seen. Mm. Uh, and then of course there's Putin who, why would a God have created a Putin to do what he's done? And uh, I am, um, I, I have changed, you know, you talk about changing and stuff. I, I've changed in that mode. I, I just can't comprehend uh, why a God who loves his children would, would be doing something like this. Mm. Have you been able to resolve that at all? Have you, is it, is it, have you come any, any theories you're testing? That's kind of the way I kind of approach spiritual things is here's an idea and, and let me, let me chew on this for months and see how it applies to real life and see if I can make sense of something. You want to hear a funny story? Sure. So, um, so uh, about the middle of the summer. So Virginia is a beautiful state yeah. and um, where I am, it's mostly DC, but two, three, four hours, it's just beautiful mountains and yeah. rivers and streams and places to hike and, you know, really cool, small cities. And of course, you know, there's a lot of history with civil war um, battlefields, et cetera. So I got, I get the email things to do in Virginia on the weekend type things. So there was a email that said, go, um, tubing go tubing it's about four hours away from me it's in a town called buchanan uh, university i'm sorry virginia tech is about 30 minutes away from where this is and it's uh, you could take the highway 66 to 81 or you could take you know the state highways and it's the middle of summer and it's approaching peach season and you know i mm -hmm. said you know what i'm just going to go that route if you will so i'm taking all the state highways and there's a lot of openness between, you know, towns and those kind of things. So I'm about 25 minutes north of Buchanan and Buchanan is, is nothing. It's on the James river, but it's like a two block long uh, town, if you will. So I'm taking route state highway 11, which at this point is like a two lane, you know, freeway. And I'm about 25 minutes north of Buchanan. As I'm driving, I see a guy walking and he's carrying a cross. He's literally dragging mm. a six foot metallic cross. Okay. Right? And I'm getting closer and I'm thinking to myself, what do, when you drive on state highways in America, what do you see every hundred yards? Churches, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. like, okay, he's moving, he's dragging a church. I'm sorry. He's driving <laughs> across from one church to the other. And I'm, I'm thinking like, all right, do I pull over and have my, there's no God conversation, right? I'm like, you know what? I want to go tubing. I don't want to stop and have this conversation. So I like nod and I keep driving and I notice there's like no church, you know, upwards. I'm thinking like he could have gotten a pickup truck or someone else in the congregation could have helped to move the cross. Right. So meanwhile, I get to Buchanan, I go on the, uh, the, the uh, tubing thing and I purchase two trips. You know, they drop you off three miles North of the landing point. You go down for about an hour, you then take a break. You then do the second one. I said to myself, you know what? This wasn't as much fun as you think it is. You're paddling hard. You don't want to miss the drop, the drop off point. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I need to do another one or not. So I said, let me go walk around Buchanan and, uh, and I'll come back. They said, okay, we'll be here till four or whatever. So I go up to Buchanan. Meanwhile, I was going to stop at night, which I did in Roanoke, Virginia, which is a real cool town that we've stopped at many times. And I was looking yeah. forward to this particular place for dinner. So I walked through Buchanan and I'm like, you know what? There was one restaurant. I'm not going to eat because I knew I was going to eat in Roanoke a couple hours later. So I make like a, a turn down an alleyway back to the tubing place. And who do I see? I see a guy carrying a cross. And this was like 20 miles away from where I saw him. And I'm like, are you, are you carrying a cross? And he's like, yeah, that's what I do. I drag a cross across the country. Wow. And I'm like, well, what do you do in Minnesota in December? He goes, well, I'm in Florida in December. I was like, right. <laughs> it's a I mean, planned cross, Carrie. <laughs> planned cross, Carrie. Right. All right. Well, so the guy kind of looked like, <laughs> do you remember the comedian Jeff Foxworthy? You may yeah, be oh, right yeah. He looked like Jeff Foxworthy. He was in great shape. Uh, you know, um, he's getting to work out every day. He's yeah. working out, carrying a cross. And I said, is, is this what you do? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, you want to talk about God? I'd be happy to talk to you about God. He goes, that's what I do. So, and I told him, there's more to the story uh, than I haven't shared about, you know, some of the circumstance related to why I became an expert on Lyme disease, but someone who was very close to me in my life 
chose to recover uh, independently from, from the disease. So there's that. And then there's the whole, why did it got create a tick thing? So I said to him, told him my whole story. And he said, well, what if God's purpose was for you to help tens of thousands of people as compared to one particular person? Hmm. And I said, you know what? That's come up before. I, yeah. said, I said, do you have anything? Yeah. Like I was hoping he was going to say, well, according to Jeremiah chapter three, verse 18, the Lord shall, you know, and he didn't get yeah. up any, he didn't even go to John three sixteen or three fourteen, whatever it is. And I was like, all right, thanks guy carrying a cross. <laughs> so meanwhile, I went to the tubing place and I said, I'm ready for my sex to my second tubing. And they said, um, by the way, there's a huge storm coming. So we're not doing any more tubing and this monstrous, like torrential Virginia summer hurricane type of uh, rain came down for about two some odd hours. So I don't know. That was, it's a pretty interesting story. Interesting. <laughs> I have a question for you. So in, in some of the show notes, um, there's a note here that says you had signed, I just to pivot a little bit. We signed in a sponsor. Someone re- recently said about you that there's no one else in the world doing something like this. And so my question is, in your in your spiritual practice, in your beliefs, how does, does that translate into sales game changers? Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll move there. Um, my, after a career as a technology marketer, I realized I was, a, I became in 2002, a, an outsourced CMO, chief marketing officer. Yeah. And, and now they call that fractional is really the term, but yeah. back then it was just outsourced. So I realized that most companies were hiring me because they had, um, uh, they had sales challenges that marketing wasn't helping. So my targets were VPs of sales. So I created what's called the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And the DC area, uh, the Washington DC area is the fifth largest MSA, metropolitan area in the country. So because of government and hospitality and associations and politics, it's a huge, huge business center. So we created the Institute for Excellence in Sales and we just started doing programs for sales teams. We brought speakers, we did programs for sales leaders. We did a big award event every year. Um, I decided at one point that I needed to, I wanted to do it full-time growing this entity. My problem was I was a marketer, right? So marketing, you could do all these podcasts and things and sales is about calling the actual person and getting them to make some type of transaction to make it minimal. Well, most of my experience at Apple and Compaq and as a consultant was marketing strategies and target markets in sales. It's okay. Here's the 10 companies that I'm going to try to get to spend whatever I need to get to spend with me. Okay. So I woke up in August of 2017 and I'm like, shit, I don't have a pipeline. I better figure out something quick. So I love, I was a DJ at one point. I love podcasts. I said, I'm going to create the sales game changers podcast. And this, what I would do is now, of course, we're all doing it over the internet and stuff. I would literally, I had my ATR 2100 mics. I had my zoom H five recorder. I would go to VPs of sales offices I would interview them for 30 minutes. They were most, and I'll talk about their career as a sales leader. They were never interviewed on this before. I wore a suit. You know, I used to wear this green tie every show. I had a preparation. We had a preparation guide. You know, we then had ways that we um, produced the show and posted it to Apple and all the usual places. And it was great. It helped us accelerate these businesses. And when I would talk to them, after I got to know them and showed did the show, I would present um, the opportunity to become a, a member of the Institute for Excellence in Sales. And it helped us triple the size of the business and, and really grow. When the pandemic kicked in, we started doing a show every single day. We did a show wow. on Tuesday, interviewing women in sales. Wednesday, I would interview sales VPs. Thursday, we did a show on mindset, optimal sales mindset. And Friday, we did a show called Creativity in Sales, which was sales tactics. And we did them live as a webinar. We would get two, 300 people every day. And then we converted it to a podcast. But here's the thing. It's a marketing thing for me, the podcast. Uh, And there's benefits. It's win-win for everybody. We get about 2,500 downloads per show. And then I post on LinkedIn and we get another 2,000 to 20,000 impressions or interactions, depending on the day. This week's a little slow because... You know, we're doing, uh, we, I posted a couple of shows and it's Thanksgiving week, but I've had shows that have gotten 30, 40,000 
LinkedIn impressions. It's making the VP of sales who I'm interviewing, you know, giving him exposure or her as somebody you want to work with or work for. It's giving me stories. You know, there's some things that I quote all the time in interactions that I've gotten from the podcast. Um, And it's also allowed us to publish our first book, Insights for Sales Game Changers. So, and, uh, you know, I'm doing more energy on the line book for for obvious reasons. But, you know, we've sold about a thousand copies of the sales book. Um, One of my members just bought a hundred and we're doing a book signing. So, you know, when you write a business or a sales book, it's really a business card, a calling card. Absolutely. The line book, I'm hoping to sell like tens of thousands because of the need in the marketplace. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show today. Quite an interesting, interesting topic that uh, needs a lot more attention uh, around Lyme disease and, and health. And it's exciting to see the progression in our society right now of people bringing awareness to something like this. Uh, a lot of times we get asked is, how do I use video to bring awareness to my business, to my mission, to my product or service that can certainly help people and solve a real world problem? We want to encourage you to go to ultimatevideoguide.com. This is a book that Bob and I put together that uh, kind of encompasses our entire philosophy methodology around creating great video that can amplify a business. It's a free download. Go there and grab it. It'll walk you through the essential types of videos you need, every business needs for that matter, to create a sales story that attracts the right kind of people to your business. Ultimatevideoguide.com. Let's get back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. So well, that's, yeah, you're getting the word out for that. That's that's definitely a play. You want to get, you want to get as many people that book as possible. So when, so when someone said there's no one else doing anything like this, it's, be, it's the fact that you're walking in and you're, instead of saying, you know, here I am and here's my sales knowledge I'm imparting to you in my book, it's you're gathering the common denominators and insights from people who are in the trenches in sales. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? No, I think what I might have, what my, I might have meant from the show note was I'm the only person on the planet who um, is speaking about sales performance improvement and Lyme disease awareness. Oh, okay. Uh, that combination. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So back to your question is, tell me about this in the notes, we've got, you know, interested in leaving a legacy. Again, how does your spiritual practice transfer over into your, your theology, your methodology around sales and what you're trying to introduce to the world? If you're comfortable talking about that. Yeah, I can talk about anything. Um, those things. Uh, so it sounds so interesting when this whole Lyme thing happened, right? Yeah. And I was on boards and, you know, I, uh, you know, would, me and my kids, we would clean up streams and, you know, we would try to be kind and make the world a better place, right? So when all of this kind of started happening, when my awareness about the Lyme disease came about, uh, I said to myself, you know, you're, you're a fraud. I said, mm. you know, yeah, you're a nice mm. guy and you're on some boards, but are you really making a difference? You know, you know, I would write some checks to some charities and these charities would say, oh my God, you know, you're on our board. And I would show up to every meeting and they would say, most people, we never see them again. And they write us a check. And I was like, there's so, such a small bar raised uh. to be a good person. So I shifted to this mentality. It's an Einstein quote, which is only a life lived in the service to others is a life worth living. Mm. And prior to that, my go-to quote was the Henry Ford quote. Uh, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I've started kind of using that again in various circumstances. But the Einstein quote, you know, we're here for service, right? Great sales professionals. They're not great at selling. They're great at providing service. Mm-hmm. And they're great at providing something of value, especially over the last two years. They're great at understanding what does my customer need to achieve their goal of satisfying their customer. And they can put themselves in that mindset of what does my customer need to do and how can I help them? And it's not, hey, Brandon, here's my quote for a million dollars worth of the software I'm selling right now. It's like, hey, you know, one of our users has done this to solve this problem. Have you guys thought about that? And can I get you in touch with my customer in Iowa who solved this problem? The great salespeople think that way, right? They think of how can I provide the service? So that is one of our 
um, angles as compared to Brandon, you got to make 50 phone calls a day and each phone huh. call has to be 15 seconds long and you don't leave a voicemail and you got to stay five minutes later at work. And, you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? Make five more phone calls. True. You know, it ain't that yeah. man. It's about the mentality and the mindset of providing real value. Cause here's the thing, everybody on the freaking planet over the last two years has gone through the same thing. They've lost people, you know, because of the, of the pandemic, they've been challenged financially. And then whatever the third thing is, maybe, you know, illness or, you know, having to make a career shift or mental illness happening to somebody. So we think at the Institute for Excellence in Sales, how do we help the sales professionals that we work with be of more value to their customers? Love that. But you know what though? It's it's not a it's not a Christian thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It's it's really more of a humanistic the human thing. Be a freaking yeah. human. Be a good yeah. person. Be kind. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So Fred, can uh our 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 are great salespeople born or are they created? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I don't know if I've ever asked that question. Um, I think you really do. It's almost like any type of uh, skill. We like to say sales professional, right? And what, right. Is a, what does a professional do? You know, if you're a professional athlete, you're training 10 hours a day. Yeah. Right. You know, we used to say in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, if you're a professional golfer, you're on the greens even though we're going through the pandemic, you're at the driving range, you're still practicing eight hours a day. If you're a sales professional, what does it mean to be a professional? How are you using the time to learn about your customer or using the time to learn how to, you know, being on Zoom, you know, being comfortable. So many people are still horrible, right? You know, on web communications, they show up late for meetings. You know, they have, you just don't quite understand how to communicate. They don't know how to listen. They don't know how to ask the right questions. Um, I think you need to come with some degree of talent okay. to be successful in sales. It's not charisma. You know, it's about curiosity. It's about an interest. It's about really caring for people. Um, if all you're thinking about is a quota, you're eventually going to fail because customers yeah. don't need you. So mm. um, I think, I think I really do believe that great salespeople are born and then they hone their skills. It's it's a very similar analogy, Fred. I I coach basketball. I've done it for 37 years. And there's just like basketball players come through and there are average basketball players that become good through training and practice or repetition. And then there are players that are just inherently great, either genetics or just the way they're, they're, they're created is like they just have the ability to excel. And when they work at it, that's when they become superior, outstanding athletes, right? So I was just, I'm always fascinated by that. Like, you know, the parallels to the business world, like, hey, you know, uh, is somebody a great marketer because they study marketing or because there's just something inherent about them. And when they really study it, become a professional, they become great at it. Um, but I, I think you answered that very eloquently. Um, that that's really good. You have anything more to add? Otherwise, I, I have a really off the wall question, but I'll, I'll hold until you answer it. No, let's go to the off the wall question. So, why do you like turtles? What is it about turtles? <laughs> okay, you want to know the truth? What you're referring yeah. to is on freddiamond.com. So, I have a guy who's my web designer. He's been my web designer for all my projects and businesses for years, and he's fantastic. When I published the two books, he redid freddiamond.com, which I really hadn't used in years. Uh, I use it as a marketing blog platform, but I still had the URL. I hadn't done anything. Um, so he redesigned the website to focus on the books and the Institute and the sales game changers podcast. And he put that in there as like a placeholder thing. And, um, and he forgot to take it down and I forgot to edit it. And it's funny you would say it because I didn't notice it until yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I, I like turtles, uh, but he was being funny, you know, in development, you put it, you know, Latin or, yeah, so where you want to know where that's from? That is from a viral video clip from years ago. Uh, there was a there was a local news person going to some local <laughs> event somewhere, and they were interviewing a, a, a kid. He's probably twelve. About asking about you know how they they're, they're talking about some festival or something's going on, and they walk up to the kid and so and they're talking about hey so tell tell us what you think about what's going on and they put the mic in his face and he goes. I like turtles. So, and it went by, it's been out for years. It's like oh, yeah. well known. So you want to hear, want to hear a tragic story about turtles real quick. Um, this is one of the saddest moments Maybe. of my, 
This is one of the saddest moments of my life. Um, my daughter was going to a, a camp in Southern Virginia. It was about a two hour drive. And this was the middle of the summer. I was probably, she's 28 now. So she was 14, like 14 years ago. And we're driving down one of those state highways, like I alluded to before. And it was a Sunday afternoon. I was going to get her and my younger daughter, who I think was like six at the time was in the back seat. And I see a sign saying, caution turtle crossing, right? Yeah. So you're driving and what happens when a squirrel jumps in the middle of the road? What happens 99.9% kind of react. It reacts and it gets you... out of the, gets out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, even like an opossum will get out of the way. Turtles don't scamper out of the way. <laughs> they're, not, they're not nimble. They're not nimble. And I see the turtle and I'm like, it's like 50 yards in front of me. I'm like, okay, it's going to scamper out of the way. Scamper. It didn't scamper. <laughs> no scampering. Pop, pop. Oh God. And I was like, oh my God. Like, why didn't it get out of the way? And then my daughter said, well, dad, they're kind of slow. <laughs> and they're ever since a, they're a built-in speed bump though. I didn't like, you, I, like they, I still, All I right, still you guys, I'm a turtle fan. You got to pull over. You got to move the turtle off the road. I can't tell you how many turtles I've rescued because they don't scamper. <laughs> no, they don't. And, and ever since then, obviously, if I, if I see a turtle, I will, I've seen turtles. I've slowed down and a couple of times. And what they tell you to do is to move it to where it's going. Don't put it back. Right. Move it in the direction right, right. it's going. Cool. <laughs> Love to ask maybe just a, a question about kind of growing up. Um, what, what was your family life like? I, I know you love baseball. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I grew up in Philadelphia, Northeast Philadelphia, and I'm very Philadelphia. And it was a great, it's a great time to be a Phillies Eagles, Philly sports fan right now. Yeah. You're um, killing it. Yep. We're killing it. There's a, a convenience store that was based out of Philly. Did you guys ever hear of Wawa? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So my family is, we've been at seven Wawa openings. My family is known as <laughs> the Wawa whisperers because it's a Philly thing growing up. And now they're in Virginia and Florida. So my daughter is a junior at University of Florida and they've opened up like a half a dozen Wawa's in Gainesville and near where she is. And whenever somebody drives past a Wawa, they'll text her and they'll text me. So uh, we're very, we're very Philly, Philadelphian, but here's a, here's another thing I want to, do you mind if we get deep into another particular topic? Go right yes. ahead. It's your so, steering wheel. Okay. So here's the other thing, um, which is uh, important. Uh, you can you can cure and recover from the chronic illness that we're talking about. But time and time again, I kept seeing that you need to deal with childhood trauma mm. all over the place. If you don't deal with childhood trauma, whatever it is, abuse, lack of love, whatever it might be. There's no way because your body and what happened during COVID for so many people is traumatic experiences, you know, came back to the surface yep. um, either through a certain type of shot that we were invited to take, which I don't want to discuss or sure. just the nature of being in lockdown or, or whatever it might be um, or getting COVID in theory could spark a lot of these things. Um, and I was blessed, blessed. I don't believe in God, but I said I was blessed um, to have had two loving parents who are still alive. We had grandparents, you know, two sets of grandparents. We had holidays together. We had families together, uh, you know, vacations together, you know, Thanksgiving. I'm reflecting back to when I was a kid, you know, we had 30 people and the Jewish holidays. We always celebrated, went to religious school, um, was fortunate to live in not the Beverly Hills of, of where I grew up, but middle class, you know, most families, there weren't too many divorces or bad stories. It went to good schools mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, my, had all the sports, you know, I did little league. I love baseball. Um, uh, you know, for me, it goes Phillies, then Eagles, then Sixers. And I was never really a big Flyers fan, but played little league growing up. Um, uh, was fortunate. I have a lot of friends still from high school who are all successful, who are doing well. Um, uh, so growing up in Philly at the time, the Northeast Philly, it was one of those situations. Yeah, it was a usual thing. Go outside to play. Yeah. You know, your mom called you in when it got dark, you know, we played in those playgrounds with those ridiculous things. Now everything's like the plastic type thing, but you know, those swings that would were then those. Oh, rotational. we, 
merry-go-rounds made of steel that would throw you <laughs> 120 off. degrees in the hot right? burning sun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you burn your the, skin on those. Swings were made of chains God. and a big leather strap. Right. Kids are flying 20 off feet high. Thing. They were 20 feet high. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Slides oh, yeah. made of metal and steel that <laughs> yeah. were, you know, 190 degrees to the touch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. no, our, our, my childhood was, uh, you know, one tough. thing, well, one thing I, I even mentioned this in the book when I realized how much of a role a childhood trauma plays in this. I had no, I mean, I, I made a kind of like a chunk tongue in cheek remark that my big childhood trauma was uh, uh, we were going to go to picture night at the Phillies game when I was like 14 or something. And it was a Friday night. It was at four 30 or five o'clock. My dad was an accountant. He worked very hard. He didn't get home till like five 30. By the time we got to the stadium, it was like seven. We got there just in time for first pitch. So my childhood trauma was not being able to take a picture with Terry Harmon, uh, you know, on the oh. field of, of that stadium. And, but then now I meet people who, you know, had really shitty type of abuse and, you know, just, it's just insane what, what people will do to their kids. Yeah. Mm. Well, well the, go yeah, ahead. Brandon. I was going to say uh, a couple things is, is that, that, idea around childhood trauma um and healing from that certainly it's such an emergent another emerging i'm not gonna call it medical but maybe therapy is the word for it for identifying and be able to release um bacteria viruses diseases in the body um more and more i think what epigenetics and and inherited dna and and um that is really coming out huge. So where, you know, we're evolving out of this, this mindset of, you know, I'm sick, I need to take a pill, this, which was kind of my parents' generation to like, oh, I'm sick. Let me look at my diet. Look, let me look at my exercise. Let me look at my genetics. And now even more what's happening is, okay, let me look at how I'm treating myself. Let me look at what is unresolved in my body and my psyche, my nervous system. And, um, and that is, what am I thinking about? What am I creating? Exactly. What am I manifesting? Why why do, you know, what is the reason why I chose to have this virus, you know, not to get too woo woo, but, but these conversations are happening and having great results. You know, what am I attracting into my experience? Um, And I see examples of this everywhere, friends, relatives, that this has happened, even myself is so um, important narratives that are happening. Um, Thoughts on that, Fred, before we continue. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. So I do, we're close to 600 episodes of the Sales Game Changers podcast. Sales leaders, B2B sales leaders and their teams listen to my show. We transcribe every episode as well, where they read it. We talk about mental health every third show. Every third show, we talk about mental illness mm. and mental health. And I've seen it firsthand in, in the research for the line book. And it's not, go. I mean, yeah, meditation, mindfulness, you know, grounding, et cetera. That's great. Thoughtfulness, et cetera. But, you know, we're in a really challenging time. Food is toxic. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it, I, there's one thing I learned during the research for the line book is that holding a, a, an iPhone, holding a, a smartphone, yeah. you know, the REF emanations from that um, can cause disturbances, if you will. Um, there's so much of that around. Uh, but at the same time, um, uh, you know, we just did a show on real mental illness, you know, how trauma is stopping you from being a top tier sales professional. Yeah. And the recommendation isn't go sit by the beach for an hour. You know, it's not go take a mental health day. It's like, you know, go see a freaking psychiatrist because some of this stuff is stopping you and inhibiting your relationships, inhibiting your relationships with your customers, inhibiting you as a productive sales professional. Uh, I, I, it's so true, man. It's, and I, I'll, I'll tell you one quick thing. We did a show. It was July of 2021. The guy I was interviewing is the VP of sales for public sector at a company called Dun & Bradstreet. You guys are familiar with DMB, Dun & Bradstreet. A little bit. A little bit. And I said to him, I said, and he ran all public sector globally. I said, so what's your big priority right now? And he says, it's managing the fatigue of our people. Oof, wow. He didn't say reaching quota. He didn't say developing our young professionals without missing a beat. He said, it's managing uh, the fatigue of our people. And we talked about, my shows are 30 minutes long. We, we talked for 15 minutes about that. And it's, it's still a thing, you know, it's yes. still, it's, mm. it's not like, okay, well, that was the July topic. I still bring it up and people are like, oh my God, it's, 
especially uh, for women in sales. And a big part of what we do at the Institute for Excellence in Sales is helping companies elevate their women in sales. Um, it's everything here is, is ubiquitous, but people can be successful. I mean, there's things that we talked about from the sales side to make them successful and, you know, people can cure themselves from disease as well. Well, Fred's fascinating. What a, yes. I did, we, we have usually no plan with how the discussion goes and just thanks for being transparent and going deep in some things. I, I yes. think it's, I think people are going to really enjoy it. Uh, we'd really love for you to share. Uh, you, you've been talking about the insights for sales game changers book. Uh, I'm assuming it's up on Amazon. Uh, the book um, it's love hope lime, right? Yes. That's also available. Yes. Uh, the podcast, if you could, the game is sales game changer podcast. Sales Game Changers podcast. It's uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. Cool. And then uh, freddiamond.com. Is that the best place to kind of navigate their way through through your world if they want some more information on sales and things like that? Yeah, I would say the best thing is to go to LinkedIn. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn you know, throughout the day and uh, I post something every day. It gets a couple thousand interactions. So if you're in the business world listening to today's podcast, yeah, go to Fred Diamond on, on LinkedIn. And if you're not on LinkedIn, but you're interested in the Lime topic, uh, reach me through Facebook. Awesome. Fred, wonderful conversation. Thanks yes. for sharing today. Um, just really insightful, sparkling conversation. So we appreciate you and thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, I want to acknowledge you guys. Uh, you know, I had no expectations as well. And uh, I'm glad we were able to go to a place that you probably haven't gone to before. And obviously it's taken over my life and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the book is impacting people. My Facebook posts are on LinkedIn too. I mean, uh, every day I mention Lyme disease and sales, of course, and sales performance, but just want to acknowledge you both. I know this is a episode somewhere in your twenties and you guys are great. You interview well, and uh, I encourage you both to, to keep going and keep growing your show. And, you know, like I say, if you have a podcast and it's, if you have one person listening to the podcast, then one person listened to the podcast. Hopefully you got thousands, but. Uh... Well, that, that's why Brandon and I do it together because we're, we're guaranteed to at least have one listener. Yeah, and then our, my mom. And, and then yeah. our producer, uh, uh, who's also named Brandon. So we, yeah. have, we, have a, we have a guaranteed like three or four listeners. Right, right, good right, for, right. Good for you, both of you guys. I appreciate you. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on the show. Fred. Thank you, Take Fred. Care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.